0: this is the word of God. All right. This is, this is my sword. And this is what God speaks to me. He speaks to me through his word. He also speaks to me through prayer. But This is where I get to learn about Christ and man, sometimes it is really good for us to just disconnect a little bit that we, we turn off our phones, turn off our computer. We get to sit down just with, with God's word, sit with him and that we hear from him through his word and we have just have a sweet time with him i actually just got back this week i went um camping with zach and my old roommate blake i think he's on here as well we had a blast um what was really great is is we're camping that we we got away (laughs) we i didn't have any cell phone reception and it was just really, really nice. All the other noises kind of quieted down. I felt like we could there's this really great time we went hiking to we just sat down and felt like just kind of hearing from God and just being at peace with Him. And this is really important for us to do as believers. That we spend we spend time with God, so it's important we have we have our Bible and we have His Word and we want to hear from God through His Word. And just as we're talking about signs. And messages, okay, here's where we're getting some, some really good messages, right? So we want to come to God's word together. So go ahead and share uh, with us, Scott, on the screen for those that want to read along on the screen. John chapter 6. We're continuing on in John. And verse 29. This, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him. Because they saw, what did they see? They saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So so remember that they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who is... Who has five barley loaves and two fish? But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down about 5,000 in numbered. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself when evening came his disciples went down to the sea got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum it was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone other boats from tiberius came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the lord had given thanks so when the crowd saw that jesus was not there nor his disciples they themselves got into the boats and went to capernaum seeking jesus God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent today. And, and so we just come to him and we say, Lord, Lord God, um, we love you. It says we sang today, Lord, we love you, Lord, today. God, you are so good to us. I pray that you would speak to us during this time, Lord, that we would hear your message, um, and and I ask that those here that you would you would pray as well with me that we would hear from the the Holy Spirit, that we invite Him to speak to us through His Word, that He would use me, that I, that He would speak through me, and that anything that is not of Him, that we would not remember that we would hear that with discernment what is God saying to us Lord we are utterly dependent on you we need you God Lord and we ask that you would just uh, love on us speak to us we thank you in Jesus name amen so getting to our uh what we had started with this idea of signs and we saw signs mentioned about two three times in here right we start off that the crowds were following him because they saw what they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick and then and then we see that when he is performing this miracle of of turning just a few loaves of bread and fish into enough food for thousands of people it was also a sign verse 14 says when the people saw the sign that he had done they said this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world and then further down verse 26 jesus says truly truly i say to you you are seeking me not because you saw what the signs but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And and what's what's interesting even after further down after the next verse actually after what I read verse 30 says they said to him what sign do you do that we may see and believe you what work do you perform. If you're able to pull up verse 30 there. So this is this is interesting the the people were looking for a sign, and Jesus was performing signs. Now, if we say that signs communicate a message, then what is the message that's being communicated? What is, what is the message that, that Jesus is communicating through these signs? And, and what was the message that the people were hearing? I think we know... I'm pretty sure, we, we, we'll, we'll test this here, that we know the sign that Jesus was communicating that he was the Christ. That he was the son of God and that as he was performing these miracles, he was showing this to be true. These, this sign, if, you, if this was a written out sign, and what it would have said, this, this is it, this is the guy. This is the Messiah that was promised to come into the world. As Jesus is healing people, it's like there's a sign over his head saying that. As Jesus is feeding the 5,000, there's a sign saying, look, look at who this is. No person can do these things. And what's interesting is that the people, when they saw him perform these miracles, and they saw him perform things, I feel like they seem to read the sign a different way. And we see this, verse 15, it says, perceiving then, after there's there's a sign that says, this is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world. So they said, they, they got the sign, they, they got the interpret right interpretation right. This is the prophet, the prophet who was promised, the prophet who was to come, after moses and and his likeness like moses jesus was that but then what did they do with that it says they were about to force him to be king this is what jesus perceived he says perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself so it's like Jesus is communicating one thing and they're even getting it. They're getting the, the right answer that this is the Messiah. This is the promised prophet who has come like Moses. But then their action is a little bit different than what's being communicated. They, they do something totally different. See, Jesus draws this out later on. Verse 26, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You see, they saw that Jesus was this powerful miracle worker. And they said, he's a bread machine. I want, I want to always have my fill of bread. And right there, they missed the point. They missed the point. And I said, not only he's, he's a bread machine, but man, I want to make that bread machine king. So that he can give me bread whenever I want. And they missed the point. They missed the point. And I look at us how often do we do the same thing that we, we get who Jesus is as we say, okay, he is, he's the Christ. He is the son of the living God. But then somehow we look to the gifts that the giver might be able to give us more than the giver of the gifts. We look to the gifts that the giver might be able to give us more than the giver of the gifts. And and we we start thinking that God is is simply a means to an end. And that Jesus is a means to an end that I can, if I believe in Jesus, I'm gonna get all the things I ever wanted. Instead of realizing that Jesus is the end in itself and i'm going to start drawing this out a little bit how this this comes out in our lives and that we we have we have all these desires in us we have all these emotions in us and we get so caught up on what we think the answer is going to be what's going to make me feel better in this case these people were hungry how do, I, how do I know they were hungry? Well, one, they were out in the middle of nowhere without anything to eat and Jesus fed them, but that was so significant to their lives. And that when Jesus says they is because they ate their fill of the loaves, I'm guessing these folks probably were hungry more often than they would have liked to be. This was a pressing need in their life, just getting their daily bread and, and that's, that's a stressful thing. If, if anyone here, many of us have, have had at times where we've been hungry. Maybe we didn't know where our next meal is going to come from. And, and when you're in that state, that's all consuming. And as soon as you eat, all you're thinking about the next time that you might get something to eat. And, and when you get a big plate of food, you're not gonna save some, for, you're gonna eat it all because you don't know when you're gonna eat again. You're just like, devour it. And that's all that you can look to. And and so when we start coming to God with these things, we think, God, you need to give me, I need to know that you're going to give me food every day. I need to know that you are going to do what I want you to do. And maybe you give me food today, but I don't, what about tomorrow? what about tomorrow i got i got to, i got to pester you pester you for tomorrow too and and i'm going to be this constant anxiousness and you think of that well jesus he just fed me today and how often does he feed me today but I, I move on and we don't even stop to 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 be thankful for what he's given us today and we're just like but what about tomorrow i don't know if he's going to give me food tomorrow and we start worrying And we come to God out of this place of of fear and worry. And I want to share with you another passage of scripture in Matthew six, Jesus is preaching to a crowd, the sermon on the Mount. And he says, he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. I think we have that passage there, Scott, if you want to bring it up. says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about these things because God knows what you need before you even ask. It says, you don't need to be anxious. Here it says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Let's continue to read this here. Next slide there. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So there's a a promise there. And there's a promise there that that God will take care of you. And God, God knows you need. And see, what I'm getting at is the answer to our need, I don't think is actually provision. And you're like, what 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 do you mean? The answer to our hunger, I don't think is actually food. I don't think the answer to my anger, your anger is not actually, it's not revenge. The answer to our loneliness isn't for single people, a spouse. Now all these things, there there may be maybe something good in that, but I'd say the answer is, Is trust. The answer is actually belief. You see, if I have a mindset of saying that I'm never having enough. If I get enough for today, that mindset hasn't hasn't left. If I'm if I'm angry and and someone and then I see that, that revenge, I see that that justice, that it might not even I'm I think sometimes we're looking for just there it's motivated anger the answer to our anger is peace the answer to our loneliness is that presence of god and see jesus is the answer to every need that we have and i'm not saying that don't hear me wrong i'm not saying that he does not provide quite the opposite but that we can trust him to provide And we entrust him so we don't have to be anxious. You see, what we end up doing then is we want to make Jesus king. And you're like, that doesn't sound like a bad thing, does it? It doesn't sound like a bad thing to make Jesus king. Yet here, they're trying to make Jesus king and he runs away. You see, the problem with making Jesus king is because Jesus already is king. Jesus already is king. I don't make Jesus king. He is king. I don't make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. If I'm making him king, if I'm making him Lord, then who is, then he's actually bowing to me, isn't he? And a lot of times this idea when we're trying to make Jesus king, we're actually wanting to make him into our own bending machine. And and it's who answers to who in this this relationship. When I realize that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is king, he is the I am. And and this this passage, we notice what's actually going on is, it's really interesting. He performs this miracle and he goes away by himself on the mountains. The disciples are rowing across the lake by himself. He walks across the water and meets in the middle. And he says, do not be afraid because they're freaking out. <laughs> they're looking and think there's like this ghost coming. Like no person can walk on the water. And what Jesus says says here, our translation says, it is I, do not be afraid. The, in, in Greek there, it actually says, ego me which is echoing back to the Old Testament, the name of God himself, and that he is the I am. And what it is saying is, I am. Do not be afraid. I am the I am. Do not be afraid. We don't need to be anxious we don't need to be afraid of tomorrow because we have the i am with us we don't need to start looking for all the things that we think are going to take care of our needs because we have jesus with us and we can rest receive that rest that he so wants to give us. If we come down to the end of the passage here, verse 26 to 29, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, you you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. And he says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures, to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is the work of God that you believe in and him whom he has sent. Now, why are are they asking for this work, first of all? Because, well, Jesus is telling them, it's like, okay, you're not supposed to work for food here on earth, but for heavenly food. This this heavenly bread, which the Son of Man will give you. So that's what you want to work for. Like, okay, I think I'm kind of getting this. What do I, what kind of, what's the work? What is the work to get that? You know, right now during quarantine, I think a lot of people are having a hard time because our work has been interrupted. We find our identity so much in our work. We find our our significance in what we do. We become human doings instead of human beings. And then when that's stopped, we lose a sense of self. And we ask this question, very similar to what. these guys are asking is what what's the work <laughs> god what is the work to be doing the works of god i want to do that and, and i feel like when, when jesus gives this answer some sometimes like okay it's not quite what i was looking for I'm just saying believe our work is to believe that that i want to maybe we're wanting a little bit more than that but it's, no it's it's to believe is you know believing is isn't the easiest thing. It takes some work. And what are we working for? The heavenly food. The heavenly food, when we're going to take communion in a little bit and we say, I have my little wafer here. What do we say? We say, this is the body of Christ broken for us. The heavenly heavenly bread is Christ himself. That we get God. A lot of times I I think we, we start thinking this, you know, even as we preach the gospel that, you know, we get out of hell and we get to go to heaven. And I think that's, that's true, but it's not right. You see, it's not that we, we get to go to heaven. It's not that we get out of hell. It's that we get God. And if, and if we don't, have our our aim and our focus and our whole desire wrapped up in that we we want god and that's what we get when we miss it we're going to be disappointed because it's so easy to just start looking for the things that god can give us instead of god himself i'm going to close this out here and we'll have a, a time of a prayer during um our last song. And what I want to encourage us to is that we, we come to God and we just bring him these, these desires that have been in us. And just, you can ask that question, God, what have I been wanting more than you? What have I been wanting more than you? If you're, if you're single, maybe the question is, do I do I look more forward to the wedding feast of the lamb to the day, than the day that I might be married? Maybe, maybe you're wanting to, to get a home and you're really working towards that and you have to ask your question, do I look more forward to my home with, with Christ Or I could just spend eternity with him than, than my home here on earth? We wanna get our priorities right. And then there's this, this illustration and maybe some of you have seen it and I wish I actually had a jar in front of me, but you can picture this if you've seen it. You have a jar with rocks and sand. And you have picture three big rocks and then a bunch of little sand. If I put the sand in first and the rocks go on top, they don't fit in the jar. But I put the rocks in first, the sand comes around fills in the cracks, fills up. And this is often used as an illustration of what happens when we put God first. When we try try to put the things that we might get from God first, it's hard to fit God in on top of it. God can't be an afterthought in this whole equation. Just as that passage I read, seek first the kingdom of God. But when you put him first, it says, just like that passage, all these things will be added unto you. And get our foundation first. And so what we need to do internally is this work is where is my foundation off? What are these things that I'm desiring more than God? And and as we're, we have this time of prayer, so what we're going to do is Marty's going to be playing a song, but we're also going to open some breakout rooms and you're free to join the breakout room. So it's going to be for a time of just, we're going to pray for each other, um, but if you want to just sit and listen to music, that's fine too. The the point is we wanna we wanna do some work and, and and uh be getting ourselves right with God and we want to bring to him anything that we feel like that this might be coming before you. Anything that might be we call an idol in our life. And so I'm gonna go ahead and hand it over. Uh Marty, if you wanna. Uh, we'll go ahead and start praying I'm playing, and uh, I'm going to close this out as we go into that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. I ask that you would be doing that work in our hearts, that you speak to us, Lord, not, not out of some pressure uh, from from others or even from me, Lord, but from you, Lord, that you show us. If, is there anything in our hearts that we need to hand over to you? Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you.